Welcome, everybody, to Dragon Quest FM, where we talk about and obsess over Dragon Quest. I'm Austin. BJ is actually out for the rest of the year, so the next few deep dive episodes I'll be bringing to you completely solo. And today it is continuing our deep dive into Dragon Quest Seven. This is week three, episode three, where I'm going to be talking about towns and townsfolk, the NPCs that that live inside of all these towns, dungeons, wherever you might find them. And thankfully, we asked on Twitter what other people's favorite towns were, what their other favorite NPCs were from Dragon Quest Seven, and we got a lot of responses. So I'm going to be going over those in today's episode as well. Just talking about the places, the people who make the past and the present of Dragon Quest Seven just so darn memorable. But first, uh, we do have a new patron uh, who deserves a real nice thank you. And since BJ's out for the rest of the year, uh, I'll be the one giving the real nice thank you in today's episode. So thank you, thank you, thank you to Out of MP, our newest Patreon patron. We greatly appreciate you and all of our other Patreon patrons for helping support this show. Now, as usual, we went to Twitter to ask folks about their favorite or least favorite towns in Dragon Quest Seven, And I'm actually going to link to this thread in the show notes for today. So if you're interested in seeing what people had to say, then be sure to click on this thread and read them all yourself. And I'm not going to have time to talk about every single one of them, but I'm going to try to hit as many of them as possible. Demi said, All Trades Abbey. Not only is it a staple of the series that's just awesome to go to, but had one of the most interesting storylines in the game, in my opinion. Being trapped in the underground with the arena was crazy and very memorable. Uh, I would say uh, that it does count. They followed that tweet up with another one saying, I don't know if it counts as a town since it's just one building, but still. And I would say it counts. Um, I actually had All Trades Abbey on my list of most notable towns in Dragon Quest Seven as well. Uh, I mean, it, there's just something about, you know, going back to All Trades Abbey time and time again, changing out your your vocations, uh, meeting some of the uh, strange <laughs> and, and not so strange NPCs uh, who are hanging out inside All Trades Abbey. So definitely would I would count All Trades Abbey as a town, even if it is just, it's a location, I guess. Timothy Biley said, Not Again is my favorite. The pun is amazing and fits perfectly with the story, but Wiggles is probably one of the best characters in the game. Estard is my least favorite because it's basically a normal castle town. I don't remember anything remarkable happening happening in the town. And yeah, I could see that criticism with Estard as well. Uh, Not Again, I am very uh, surprised to see that one be listed as someone's favorite. I'm glad you liked it, Timothy. And I believe some other people mentioned Not Again as well, which kind of surprised me. Uh, Even Tuxedo Bowser said Not Again was my favorite DQ7 town by far. It felt like they were spoofing itself where normally you go to a town in the past to fix it. Only this time they have to keep repeatedly coming back and it's possible to actually not save the town in the end. And yes, that is actually one of the things I wanted to talk about with Not Again today. So Not Again for me personally, uh, it is one of those towns that I grew to hate. (laughs) 
there's even a character i believe who says it's the worst town ever when you're playing through dragon quest 7 and i have to agree with them not again you just you keep going back every single time and i get that it's kind of like a tongue-in-cheek not again kind of thing but still for me just every time you had to go back to not again i would be like not again so i guess it works uh but i definitely did not like it as well as some of the other towns in terms of wiggles so i think we may have mentioned this uh in a previous episode i did not actually know that you could like you know, have the town destroyed. BJ is actually the one who told me that because when he was playing through the game, uh, he did that. He killed Wiggles and uh, that ended, resulted in like the town being wiped off the face of the map. And I did not know that was possible. Um, with most Dragon Quest games, you know, a lot of stuff it isn't necessarily missable. Like I feel like you can always go back. And so it's weird, you know, Dragon Quest Seven. Uh, not again is one of those things. Apparently it can be gone forever, which is both hilarious to me, but also kind of makes me a little bit nervous now uh, for the next time when I'm playing the games. I don't know. Something about decisions that like you can't go back on in video games just uh, really starts to make me sweat, makes me nervous. So VP candidate 4044, make Pluto a planet again, again, uh, said... Falrod Falrish is the first time it gets real tough, both for combat and plot. Uh, Dialog Regenstein is a very unconventional island that tells a really good story. Uh, Litterud slash El Ciclo has an excellent introduction of mystery. Uh, use that in a D&D game. Falrod place, uh, Falrish Falrod location is pretty memorable to me uh, just because of the tough guy, the toughie that's like peeing in the corner in that town. So I know I've mentioned that on this show before. Can't remember what specific episode, but I know I've talked about it. So definitely that one has has stuck out to me. Uh, I was actually pleasantly surprised that quite a few people uh, mentioned uh, Pilchard Bay. Uh, Jagsoul said, uh, now my favorite would actually be Pilchard Bay, not because it's the starting town, but because I actually like fishing villages. Having to be a part of the fishing village was what made it different for me in terms of the game installment. Not just the hero, but a fisherman's son, too. Todd Sullivan also said Pilchard Bay. He said, is it too boring to say Pilchard Bay is my favorite town? It's just a nice, pleasant place to come home to after some of the darker places you travel to. But for favorite story, I love the Wilted Heart one. Wish those two would get together so we're going to talk about wilted heart in just a minute too but first let's just briefly discuss pilchard bay here so pilchard bay that actually made my list of favorite towns as well for today because it's nice i mean it's home and it feels like home in a lot of ways even though kind of like we've discussed on the podcast before even though it's kind of weird some of the time because you go off and fight these like evil forces and then you show back up at home and everyone's treating you like a big dumb kid again but there is something that's just very nice and special about pilchard bay i don't know i like it um it is just i mean it's home i really enjoy pilchard bay and even though a few times when you have to go back there i'm just like oh really i want to just go on with the story. I get why the story beats kind of made you pause for a minute and and do some stuff back on your little home Island and in your hometown. I I get that. 
Also wanted to mention one of mine really quickly, which is uh, Emberdale. It's always memorable to me. And I, I honestly, I cannot tell you why. I don't know if it has to do with the volcanoes. It kind of gives you a sense of what the other towns are going to be like. You know, you've moved past basically the like tutorial introductory, like past island, and you've made it over into Emberdale. And that's where the game kind of, I remember it picking up for me, especially the first time I played it. Emberdale is when I felt like it kind of really started picking up. And maybe it also has to do with volcanoes. And back during lockdown, back in like May-ish, I want to say April, May, whenever I was replaying Dragon Quest Seven, and I got to Emberdale, uh, my twins, who were two at the time, were like obsessed with volcanoes. And they wanted to watch that uh, lava short, the Pixar short. They just wanted to watch that on Disney Plus, like day in and day out. And so around the same time, they would they wouldn't call it lava. They would go volcano, and they would be talking about lava. And so my wife and I would put that on Disney Plus, and lava just played over and over again. Also, we were on lockdown, so we couldn't go anywhere. So in a way, it was almost like torture because as much as I like that Pixar short and like that song, it was just like hearing that over and over again. And then it would go off and they'd be like, Volcano! And we'd have to play it again. So maybe that's why Emberdale kind of duck out to me this time around is because whenever I played it, uh, there were also toddlers screaming about volcanoes at the same time. But for whatever reason... Emberdale uh, has always kind of stuck out to me for Dragon Quest VII. Back over on Twitter, some other people mentioned Wilted Heart. Uh, Todd did. He said that was his favorite story town. And then Wendley Smith said Wilted Heart because that story is amazing. All caps on amazing. Such a sad story. I love coming back there all the time to see more and more of that story. And at the time, I'd, I even responded Wilted Heart Green and Green Thumb Garden is like this great and heartbreaking section of that game. And that one that one made my list as well. Uh, it's kind of like I mentioned in last week's episode, you know, Dragon Quest Seven, Dragon Warrior Seven. it has this kind of like pervasive sadness uh, that just exists throughout the whole game. And the whole Wilted Heart, uh, Green Thumb Garden section is just, it's really sad. You know, there's this, this guy's made this beautiful town, uh, all in the name of like unrequited love, lost love. And it's just, it's very sad. And it's sad because you see so much of that story played out in fragments, which I guess fragments of a forgotten past. I guess it's kind of a play on that too. But you really do. It's so much of these, and not just these towns, but really all the islands are just, are broken up into these fragments. And you have to go and you as a protagonist and you as the player gets to witness these fragments, but everyone else does it. And so there's lots of instances where you're talking to NPCs where it's really sad because it's just like, you know, you're, you see these things and because it's a game where you don't, can't just talk to people, you know, the, the dialogue is preset and it's just like, you can't do anything about it. You can't be like, no, come back in time with me. You can't, you can't do anything to stop that, that train from a rolling. And so I think the story of Wilted Heart and going over into Green Thumb Gardens is one of the better stories that exists in the game, even though it is sad. So another one of my towns that I wanted to mention is uh, Buckingham. 
uh, because of the casino. Duh. I talk about casinos on this podcast all the time. Of course, I'm going to talk about Buckingham. Also because Shark Eye, the Sea Dragon stuff, it's really cool. Anybody who knows me or who has listened to more than probably 10 minutes of this podcast before knows that I love like old wooden ships and, and ocean stuff. And so all of this is some of my favorite content in the game. It's also just Shark Eye, his importance in the role as, uh, you know, as a, uh, since you're a descendant of Shark Eye and everything. Uh, I just think all of that plays really well into the overall story of Dragon Quest Seven, And so that's one of the, one of the many reasons why uh, I like Shark Eye so much. Overall, though, the towns that are in Dragon Quest Seven are really, really good. There, there's just so many, and they all feel a little bit different. Uh, there, Regenstein, uh, that's the town someone mentioned earlier, where like the the rain is coming down, and that becomes Immigrant Town later on. And then you have the Romer encampment. I mean, that's always going to be memorable to memorable to me because of Kiefer. And then you have uh, Pilgrim's Perdition uh, is is one of the towns I like because of the puns. You have you have they've been tricked, um, and they there's Cardinal Sin, and you have to go through and do all the stuff with All Trades Abbey. And so I really like that section of the story as well. Al Balad, I know BJ's not here today, but I believe he's mentioned that one as his favorite. Uh, that's that's the desert kind of Egyptian town that is there. Uh, and then the last one I wanted to talk about, I'm not going to sit here and just you know go through every single town that exists in Dragon Quest Seven because we'd be here like 30 minutes. Uh, but I did want to talk about El Ciclo since somebody else mentioned that one as well because I really like El Ciclo too. It's the one that has, it's got the, the clock tower and there's the uh, the artist he's kind of pompous his name is pomposo and every time uh the same day just keeps happening over and over and over and over and over again it's just a pretty cool part of the story it's a pretty cool unique part of the story anything with dragon quest 7 that involves like weird there's always something weird going on in the town, right? It's either people have turned to stone or there is a mysterious illness or there's flowers all over the place or there's just a bunch of monsters living in the town or the same day is played over and over again. It's basically uh, Groundhog's Day, the Bill Murray movie. I mean, it's just, there's always something very, very unique about all of these, all of these towns in Dragon Quest Seven. Which kind of leads in to the next part of the show that I was going to discuss, which is the townsfolk, the actual NPCs who live in the towns or live around around the towns that you might encounter just from time to time when playing this game. Uh, before we get to that, though, it is time for some shameless self-promotion. So shameless self-promotion for today. Just a reminder, we do have a Patreon page. You can find that at patreon.com slash dragonquestfm. Next week is actually our Christmas episode, and I'm going to be giving away a gift card to one of our patrons just as a way to say thank you since it's the holidays. So many people have stuck with us throughout this year, and so it's just a nice way I wanted to say thank you to somebody. So we're going to have a drawing here next week uh, and give away a gift card to one of our patrons just as a way to say 
thank you. And if you would like to join the Patreon community here at Dragon Quest FM, you can totally do that. Remember, that is at patreon.com slash FM. So now, getting back into the show, we still have to talk about the NPCs, some of our favorites that we found in Dragon Quest Seven, and we got some pretty memorable responses from people. Of course, we first have to talk about Ellie, E-L-L-I-E, the automaton who's loyal to her master, even in death. It is one of those many heartbreaking moments in Dragon Quest Seven, and it's also... One of the first, maybe the first moment I can think of where some kind of robot or something had had a major role in a Dragon Quest game. Uh, I don't remember just off the top of my head seeing that in Dragon Quest, you know, one through six before now. That was definitely a memorable part of that game for me, a memorable NPC. Some other people agreed. Ryan Molina said on Twitter that it was the saddest part of Dragon Quest Seven for him. Aurelian said it was the first video game scene to make me cry. So, yeah, Ellie, sad stuff. Funny enough, uh, Platy M3 also mentioned the guy who's peeing uh, outside of Falrod. He's just he's one of those tough guy NPC models. You go out and talk to him, and he's just peeing. He tells you that it feels nice to pee outdoors, and you should join him. That was actually on my list. Uh, I think I even mentioned it (laughs) earlier in this episode. Definitely a memorable uh, character for me. Flagitius, Flagitius 17 said, Seeing Dermot get so excited about finally having friends after so many years of living alone made me so happy. Uh, So glad to see Dermot the Hermit getting some love over here. I did not necessarily think of Dermot myself, but he is kind of one of those mysterious, memorable characters uh, that you meet early on in Dragon Quest VII. Uh, And so I could totally see how and why he would have a lasting impression there. Also, of course, we have to talk about some of the non-human NPCs. I'm talking about the monster NPCs uh, that that you can meet who maybe don't talk. Sometimes they do, and sometimes they don't. Uh, Rocket Slime actually shared one uh, on that Twitter thread of the rock bomb, where the game tells you the rock bomb just seems to be rolling with it, that I greatly appreciate because that is, is just a classic Dragon Quest pun. Some other favorites for me uh, that I would uh, have to mention, other than the guy peeing in the corner, I mentioned this before on the show as well, is the the guy who likes to dress up and chase maids around his house in Dragon Quest Seven. Uh, definitely one of the weirder things uh, I found in that game by just talking to everyone. There's also, got to mention this, the the old men who want to turn into bunny girls, which is just, it's been copied. It's They've given callbacks to it. It's kind of one of those fan favorite things. Uh, someone mentioned it on the thread. I can't find it right here, but it's in that thread if you guys click into the link. That's always one of those memorable things. Uh, fun fact for any of those of you who are, are playing Yakuza 7 like a dragon right now. Uh, you know, there's lots of references to Dragon Quest and RPGs in that game as well. And one of those includes an old man who he's staring uh, outside of uh, I believe it's in the red light district where he's like standing outside of one of the clubs, looking at a poster of one of the girls and says something about how he wish he could turn into a pretty young girl. And so uh, I thought that was kind of a, just a nice random ode 
to Dragon Quest that exists in Yakuza 7. So if you played Yakuza 7, check that guy out. He's near the uh, the Soapland that you that you plays a big part, especially in like chapter three of that game. You can totally talk to him there. Anyway, this isn't a Yakuza podcast, but just so you know, that exists and you should find it. For me, also, the the four elementals, if those count, uh, I'm going to say they count. I really like the designs of those. No one mentioned those uh, on Twitter, but which surprised me because I really, really like the design of the elementals. And it's one of those things that you don't that you don't see very much in Dragon Quest games. You know, Final Fantasy is all about like crystals and elements and things like that. And Dragon Quest is less so. And so those four elements and the shrines and everything that you have to go through, it stands out to me, I guess, is because uh, I just I wasn't I wasn't expecting that kind of thing in a Dragon Quest game. And it does feel a lot more final fantasy to me because you have to go around you know to each of the of the i think they're called shrines but and 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 confront them and everything for whatever reason i liked it even though it it felt a little less dragon questy than some of the other stuff i really like it those character models they just really really stood out to me also of course i've got to mention shark eye he is probably one of if not my favorite npc in in the whole game like I said before, uh, he, he's a pirate. He, he looks pretty cool, you know, especially on the 3DS version uh, where you can see him a little bit better. He's just this spoiler, I guess, for those who maybe haven't beaten it. He's also the uh, ancestor, sorry to say descendant. He's an ancestor of the hero. The hero is his descendant. So I think he plays kind of an important role there. The stuff with like the fire spirit, going back to the spirits again, the elementals there, the fire spirit and just the, the, the sea serpent, just all of this stuff is just a really cool part of the game. And I think for me, that's one of the reasons why maybe Shark Eye stands out to me. And especially it occurs so late in the game. It's like you've already seen so many like memorable NPCs up until this point. You've seen some just some weird ones, some funny ones, some heartbreaking ones. And then very late in the game, you get to Shark Eye and it's just, it kind of, I think it speaks a little bit too about just Dragon Quest VII's ability to like constantly surprise you along the way. It's like people talk about how long the game is a lot of the time, maybe even how sad it is or whatever, maybe how ugly it looks on the PS1, but surprising is kind of another word I would use to describe Dragon Quest Seven. is because every time you think the game is going down this one path, it goes a different path, or you think it's not going down the super obvious route, and then it totally does, which is surprising in its own way, because you weren't expecting it to be so cliche, and and the cliche somehow became surprising. And so there's lots of times in Dragon Quest Seven where it just really catches you off guard. So that about does it for today's episode, focusing on townsfolk and towns in general special thanks to everybody who took the time to respond to us sorry i didn't take the time to read every single response that we got on twitter but remember uh, i'm putting the links to those in the show notes for today so if you want to check that out for yourself you totally can Uh, there's some really good responses a few uh, quote tweets uh, that are definitely worth checking out and just I really appreciate people taking the time to share these because it's always interesting to see what other people 
think about these games. It's really cool seeing that, okay, this NPC that might stand out to me, like Shark Guy, no one mentioned. People mentioned other NPCs. And so uh, so that's one of the things I really appreciate people taking the time to respond is just that that very, very rarely is what stood out to me going to be what stood out to someone else. And so I'm glad that I get to kind of take the time to read some of these to kind of represent the game better, represent the fans better, and kind of what everybody likes about these towns or these NPCs or just the game in general. So thank you guys for sharing them. I hope you'll continue sharing them as we continue and wrap up our deep dive into Dragon Quest VII. Today's episode, I know, is a little short again with it just being me solo. Uh, It's just running a little short today. But I really appreciate all you guys for tuning in and listening. Uh, If I skipped over your favorite town or your favorite NPC, make sure you let me know. Tell me on Twitter. Remember, you can find us on Twitter at DragonQuestFM. You can also talk to us on Patreon over there at patreon.com slash DragonQuestFM. If you want to talk to me personally, you can totally do that. I am on Twitter at DragonQuestin. Thank you guys so much for listening, and I'll see you next week. Bye-bye.